Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast, where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I would encourage you to subscribe if you haven't done so yet. That way you'll get our new episodes each week when they come out on Thursday. We also release a few bonus episodes each month and you'll have easy access to those as well if you'll subscribe. Today's guest is Chris Atkinson. Chris is an international business speaker and author. He combines a commercial approach with a deep understanding of human psychology. He's worked with businesses across the globe. He's spoken in 22 countries to 43 different nationalities. If you want to learn more about Chris, we'll link his website in the show notes. That way you know where to connect with him as well if you're interested. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. So let's dive right in. Here's Chris. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk more with you. Yeah, my pleasure. So you told me before we started recording, you gave a keynote talk a few weeks ago, or not a few weeks ago, a few years ago, called Motivation Beyond Money. I'd love to hear a little more about that. Yeah, so this was a talk I did at um, the largest like learning and development conference that we have here in the UK. And they wanted a title that was going to be sort of eye-catching maybe draw in some crowds and when I put forward the idea of motiva- motivation beyond money um, that seemed to be the one that the the, uh, the organizers got super interested in and we had a, a pretty pretty big crowd actually at this particular event and it it came from this idea that we all well for most of us we do have to work you know so it's not like we get much choice like I'm going to choose not to have a job or a career we have to but that doesn't necessarily always translate to what motivates us in work. And so it was trying to get underneath the fact that, yeah, I have to work, but what is it that's going to sustain me in that career? You know, what's going to keep me energized every day when I get up every time I have to go into the office? You know, those things can be pretty draining if we if we aren't motivated to do it day in, day out. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's so interesting. So as you did your research for this talk, and as you, I'm sure, engaged with people even after the talk was over, what did you learn about if it's not money, then what does motivate people? Right. So I use the analogy of like an engine. Um, organizations being being like a um, an engine, and they've got to keep the engine running. And I guess the the historical way of getting that engine running is to um, incentivize people with like you know rewards and bonuses and all of that type of stuff, and potentially to punish people if they if they transgress or or or, or don't behave in the way that they need. So we have. Uh, you know, KPIs and measures. We have lots of reporting. Um, we have, um, uh, you know, disciplinary actions and things like that. And it it seems to me that 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 fuel that ran the engine doesn't work on the generations of employees entering our workforce today, right? Like somehow people aren't motivated by. Uh, having incentives and rewards and then punishments if I if I if I don't do what I want to do like we're looking for something deeper more satisfying more meaningful so it's almost like organizations are trying to put the same trying to run the engine on the same fuel but actually we we need a whole new engine in order to kind of keep our workforce uh keep our workforce moving so that was kind of that was the analogy I used to try and get people into the into that particular topic Hmm. Yeah. And I think in metaphors so often, so the metaphor that I have in my brain right now is somebody holding an iPhone in one hand and a double A battery in the other hand and looking at the double A battery thinking, why won't this power my iPhone? Exactly right. Yeah. And and we we do have to move. You know, we recognize generational differences. We name them, you know, whether it's, you know, boomers, Gen X, Gen Z, millennials, whatever. We recognize generational differences. But I I'm not convinced that the basic architecture of of work has significantly changed, although the the pandemic perhaps has has accelerated a degree of that kind of freedom, autonomy, you know, the hybrid nature, which is causing uh, a a lot of people to find um, a better balance and more satisfaction in it. Um, but but I always came back. My, my background was in psychology, and I, I I went on from psychology to study psychotherapy, and I'm always interested in the in the human psychology of it. And the roots of this, and you asked like, so what were the recommendations? But the the roots of that talk were back in the 1950s. Uh, there was a famous psychologist called Frederick Hertzberg. He was um, sort of almost peer to Maslow who did the hierarchy of needs. And Her- Hertzberg's big contribution to the world of psychology and in fact, the world of motivation was what he called two-factor theory, which is there are a category of things which have no power to motivate us, but we need them. He called these hygiene factors, sounds a bit weird in our world, so it's better that we call them like maintenance factors. These are the things I need to feel satisfied. Like they bring me to neutral. And his observation was, these only have the power to demotivate if you take them away. And on the other side, you have things which are motivators. These are the things which the more of them I get, the more motivated I am, like, let's say freedom or trust or respect or growth, you know, the more of that stuff I get, the more motivated I am. On the other side, you might even have things like your salary or your benefits, your compensation. And actually, if even if I double those things, yeah, I'm going to be happier in the sense like I'm not going to reject that. But will I wake up in the morning and feel 
you know, psyched to go into work because I have a better healthcare package now. Well, you know, probably won't affect my day-to-day motivation. But then you tell me you're going to take that package away. That's definitely going to demotivate me. So you can easily kind of work things out in your own psychology, you know, pick any item in your life and say, if I double it, will I feel significantly more energized when my alarm clock goes off in the morning and I have to go into work? Will I feel better for that thing if I have more of it? Or if I take it away, if you halve it, will that, you know, will that sort of damage my motivation? Will I be increasingly unhappy in my role? Will I be looking for other work? But the the point about this is, and this was kind of the key thing I talked about in the talk, like that was in the 1950s. And then Harvard Business republished it in 1987 under the title of, uh, it, it, it was titled One More Time, How Do You Motivate People? Or something like that. One More Time was the key thing. And here we are, like, 25 something years later on a podcast about motivation still talking about like why is it that we're we're kind of trying to pull the wrong levers or in my analogy we're we're still trying to kind of put the wrong fuel in the engine and scratching our head when it when it doesn't seem to work Mm -hmm. yeah this is so interesting so i'm thinking about somebody who doesn't feel motivated right now or is not as motivated as they like and maybe from what you're saying, the solution is not to promise them more of these maintenance factors, whether that's money or something different, because that's not going to move the lever that comes from something different. And if you take it away, maybe that will be motivating. But if you're looking to add motivation, it can't come from these things. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're, if you've got responsibility for people, you're in a management position. uh, Absolutely. This is something to engage with. But I also think there's a level of individual responsibility you know, recognize what's motivating you, make sure you're being, uh, make sure you're chasing the right things, right? Because it's always going to be tempting to grab for jobs with better pay, better conditions, you know, better benefits. These things are, and, and these things are important, but that's not the same as saying you're going to feel more motivated in that job. You're going to feel more satisfied getting up every morning and going into work. So, I would just I would just say, yes, there's a management and a company responsibility, but I think you have a responsibility as an individual to recognize these things in yourself and make sure you know what's really sustainable, what's really going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And the the bit that you've said, which might I might challenge a little bit is and it's an unfortunate truth. The maintenance factors, if we, we could also call these things like transactional factors, right? If this, then that. And there's um, there's an author called Dan, Dan Pink, who some years ago now mm-hmm. did a very famous book called Drive. Right. And that's probably very much in your world, too. But he talks a lot about the if if this then type motivator. And the, the unfortunate truth is they're very easy to do and very effective at getting the behavior you want in the short term. Right. If I want someone to do something like my brain is likely to go towards transactional type elements well look, if i give you this then you can get that or if you don't do this here's the consequence right think about parenting right <laughs> like this is this is how it works with kids it's the first thing we go to we go to an if then type thing so i, I would want to make clear to people that actually sometimes those like maintenance factors or the transactional factors they are the quickest the easiest and they do seem to be in the short term very effective but it's that sustainability word, which is so true of, of, of our time right now. It's not sustainable because the next time you want the same behavior from the person, 
you have to apply the same force, be it a reward or a punishment. So then you're tied into this horrible pattern where if I don't do this, I won't get the behavior. I mean, like, like uh, timesheets or or clocking in, like, I go, you know, going into a job, I have to clock into the office to register the time I come in, right? If the only reason people are coming in on time is because they have to clock in and that, you know, it gets stamped in some way, well, then imagine the machine breaks one day, you know, or, or it's no longer monitored. You won't get the behavior. But what if I turn up to work on time because it's the right thing to do? Because I actually enjoy my work because I don't want to let the team down. The the the, the clock and the measuring and the, you know, it, that doesn't, I don't care about that stuff because I do it because it's the right thing. But that that school of motivation, the the deeper, more sustainable one, it is much harder. It's harder to do. It takes longer. You don't get everyone all the time. Some people won't because they don't care. And I just I just think we should recognize we're always going to be tempted down the easier path when it comes to these kind of motivational tools as a manager, especially. But even for ourselves, there's nothing like a short term, short term buzz off a little bit of satisfaction. But oh, yeah. then you need the same hit every time. Right. Well, it's almost like there's this spectrum where on one end you have the short-term motivation like you're talking about, which is largely driven by habits or repeatable outcomes. And I think that there's a place for habits in motivation. I think that habits can be very helpful for maintaining long-term motivation. At the same time, I think that if you either lack awareness about what your habits are, how they're helping you, how they could potentially be hurting you, or to speak to your example, if the only reason that you're behaving in some sort of way with something that is repeatable is because that habit is in place, then that could potentially come back to hurt you. Yeah, absolutely. And I might, I might also add the kind of internal external force. Like, you know, we talk about carrots and sticks, right? That's the classic motivational analogy. You're going to use the carrot or the stick. And and the answer is both of those are external, right? Both of those are, um, are me wanting to go towards or away for, to something environmental. And, and consistently, every aspect in psychology that I've ever read says internal motivators are much more sustainable, much more long-term, and deliver much better outcomes. So it's almost not carrot or stick. Um, it's internal. And actually, I don't, I don't know. I think habits could form either way, depending on what's driving the habit. But if it comes from a deep desire, satisfaction, an inner feeling of this is good, this helps me, then I, I just believe that's a much healthier source of motivation than the, the carrot and stick world, yeah, um, absolutely. which is a quicker, easier one. Right. Which is kind of the image that I had in my head, which is on one end of the spectrum, you have the short term motivation, which is heavily based on cause and effect. That's easy to understand. And then on the other end, you have a motivation that from my perspective, and I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on this is more driven by purpose and values and the impact that you hope to have. And so it makes me wonder for you. So you've been, you've done work in psychology, you've worked with businesses, mm. you've done speaking for a number of years. Mm. What drives you to do what you do? Okay. Two part question. Let me, let me do one at a time then. <laughs> um, so I, the the spectrum is definitely true um and that's uh and that kind of simple and easy and harder one we 
life would be so much easier if we if we all had the same motivational levers right so if if i'm trying to motivate a team in work if if i could just pull that one lever and like everyone's going to respond in the same way life would be very efficient but really what i suppose we uh, psychologists would be saying or you know um good leaders would tell you is if i've got a team of 10 people i've got 10 unique and totally individual types of motivation there there isn't a lever right i have to somehow not even the transactional which is like what can i give you or how, how can i threaten you in some way i have to get to know you and 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 all of the weird wonderful uniqueness of what you get a buzz out of and what you get satisfaction from and i have to do that individually for every person i'm working with and then i have to tailor the job and the role that they're doing to make sure they're getting enough of that to keep them in work so you know i come back to i really want to emphasize that's a huge task is it worth it? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'd say that's like the that's almost the heart of what leadership is. But that's not an easy request to make of people. So to your question, then, like, what about for us? How well do we know ourselves? How well do I know what that thing is? And sometimes I feel like it's a it, I almost feel sometimes my own psychology plays tricks on me. And I, don't, I hope I'm not misquoting this, but somewhere in my head, the, the famous Maslow model has at the very top self-actualization, the pyramid, right? And at the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. And somewhere in my memory, I seem to remember that Maslow tried to not define it because in his mind, almost we can never quite attain it. When we get there, it moves already. Like you, you, you don't reach the top of the pyramid, put your feet back and go, I've self-actualized. I think there was something about it that was kind of harder than that. And so I have that, or at least that, that's how I remember it. I have that same experience. I, I, I wrote a book some years ago. It was a you know, major motivator for me for a long time to bring this into the world. I had a such a strong conviction about it and when the book was published there was this moment I, a couple of people started asking me you know can I sign the book and give it to them? I was like wow I've done a real thing in the world and the feedback on Amazon was amazing but you know as quickly as I got that buzz I started thinking there's another book I need to write or this is it's almost I was like what 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 is this can I not just sit back and enjoy this moment <laughs> um and so I get a bit jealous sometimes when people feel that they've kind of found a place or they've they've really they've really managed to identify that source for them that can that's continuous. Um, I feel every time I get close to it, I feel like somehow it jumps ahead of me uh, and I have to kind of reassess what it is. And there's always like um, there's always a bit of a game afoot. But I I. I would guess, very ill-informed, but I would guess if you went to like the philosophy of the Far East, uh, there's probably a whole school of thought around Zen Buddhism or something where it deeper inner reflection somehow yields these deep truths. And I think there's probably there's probably a great deal of truth to like this deep introspection to work out what's superficial and what's authentic. Because we live in a world where there's so many superficial motivations being dangled in front of you that it's very hard to know what I really want against maybe what I've been encouraged to want by, you know, media or society or whatever it might be. 
Um, and somehow I have to kind of, I have to cut through all of that noise and layers and do this kind of deep work to work out actually what, once again, what's going to sustain me. I, you know, I'd, I'd love to say I've got further on that journey, but I'm, I'm not entirely convinced I have. Mm -hmm. No, I think the awareness that you're even on that journey is huge. I think that most people, they don't like the idea of something not having a finish line. And I shouldn't say yeah, I should. most people because that language implies that I'm not a part of that group and I very much am. We want to know that we're working on things that will eventually come to completion, but whether it's self-actualization or motivation or just making yourself better in life in general, these are not things that have a clear cut ending. These are journeys that we will be continuing on up until the point that we die but I think that recognizing it that way, at least for me, takes away this illusion that I have to do it perfectly. Like I could master, if you want to use that word, the topic of motivation or goals or habits or personal growth, whatever it might be. And there's still going to be further that I could go. And so I think the application there is it's not about arriving. It's not about finishing. It's not about perfection. It's simply about taking that next step, knowing that once you do, you're going to be better than what you are right now. But there's also going to be another step for you to take. There is. I can give you like maybe one more concrete piece of advice, possibly. Um, and that comes from like the world of strengths, focusing on what you're good at. So even if you don't quite know what the what the self-actualization is. I mean, you mentioned purpose. And I think uh, sometimes that that work that's been really popularized by Simon Sinek and the, you know, the find the why and the purpose. I think sometimes that's a little, it's, it's a very idealized world for some people that are, you know, grinding away in a job to try and have this higher purpose. Um, despite the fact that it's true, it's just sometimes it's really hard in our day-to-day -day lives to really feel I'm on purpose when I'm basically just trying to, you know, keep my head afloat and earn enough money to, to get by. What I would say is I think it's equally valid to know what you're not wanting. I, at least that at least narrows the field of play a little. And this is very much supported by the strengths methodology. And the, the strength methodology is probably one of the best ones to stay motivated, which is quite simply know what you're good at. Do more of the stuff that you're good at. Keep keep optimizing and investing in your natural gifts right and that that can help us in um in a in a really big way so i know for example the closest i can get to answering your question of what drives me is i enjoy igniting a spark in people that sets them on a journey like a first step right that's super motivational for me i i i love watching people realize something I also know I'm not very good at going on the journey with them. Like my ability to sustain the focus over a long term is much harder. I'm I'm an enthusiast. I love I love sparking the fire, like you know, getting it started, getting people enthusiastic and motivated. But I'm not so good at at keeping the focus and the attention over the next months and years to come. So I try and focus my energy on where I can ignite something, where I can start something. And I know there's other people who actually, by the way, they get way more satisfaction from the long-term journey, investing on the long-term. So I, I do think I consciously try and play to my strengths. Um, and that definitely that keeps me on the right side of being motivated. 
Yes, absolutely. And I'll throw one more thing out there. I'll actually point back to an earlier podcast episode um, from this show. I had my friend Dan Franco on episode 12. He talked about the six types of working genius. I don't know if you've encountered that book or that framework at all, but we talked about the concept of genius and frustration in that episode as well. So what I think about when I think about that episode as well as what you said, when we recognize our, not only our strengths, but also our weaknesses or our frustration, Mm -hmm. it takes away the guilt because the reality is we're not good at everything. We're not created to be that way. And so when we recognize this is not an area of my natural gifting, rather than feeling inadequate or feeling like we're not who we should be, we recognize like that's just a natural limitation that we have. And then we focus on our area of strength, or maybe we surround people who do have that strength that we don't so that we're not totally deficient in that area. But I think that's such an important reminder. Chris, I feel like we could go on for no, another several hours, but we'll we'll go ahead and wrap up right here. Thank you again so much for your time. If there's a listener who wants to learn more about you, connect with you further, where can people find you? So the easiest place to find me is probably on LinkedIn, where you just search for Chris Atkinson. I think it's uh, forward slash Chris Atkinson. Um, you can also find my company where we do the kind of work around this type of topic, and that's uh, strategicleaders.com. So www.strategicleaders.com. And I'd love to connect with anyone who's interested in this topic for sure. Oh, you could also find my book, which is slightly different, but that's called Corporate Energy, available on Amazon as well. I love it. I will include that link in the show notes to your website. And then, yes, definitely go check out Chris's book. I'm looking for something to read right now. So I may have to go pick up a copy myself. Hey, thanks again for your time. This has been so much fun. My pleasure. Thanks ever so much. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going, though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle. And it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com and sign up for my Midweek Momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, or reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction in Chapter 1 of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at BradyRoss.com. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com. And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it.